don't wanna be a starving artist I don't wanna be a starving artist I just want to find a way to live Hello, I'm Anna Eastley and welcome to Starving Artist, the podcast about art, money, how to make it work, ah! Because over at Starving Artist HQ, aka my bedroom, we're getting ready to release the mother of all interviews, cut down from like two and a half hours of tape. I've decided to release a bonus episode, meaning it is not a normal episode where I go out and convince an artist that I really dig to tell me all their secret artist secrets about money. Instead, it's a behind the scenes look at Starving Artist told through a conversation with a very good friend of mine, Audrey, who goes by Ad Hoc and who interviewed me for the Nava In Conversation podcast. That podcast is actually a podcast about the issues and challenges of working in the arts, very on theme. So in this interview, you're going to hear me tell Audrey about where starving artists came from and the unexpected realities of its success, actually. I'll also be talking a bit about my next project, The Big Feels Club, and why I, every few years, consider studying medicine instead of making art. (laughs) But before we launch into everything, for those of you who only know me through this podcast, I just want to let you all know, because we talk about it a bit in this interview, I have kind of made a bit of a reputation for myself for being like a professional oversharer. This kind of started back in 2014 when I released a short docu-style film of myself in a psychiatric hospital, and it really took off with the other podcasts that I make, Being Honest With My Ex, which is basically a brutally honest audio diary that I've been keeping with my ex-fiancé for the past 18 months. It's also been called the most awkward podcast of all time. So that's me. And I just wanted to let you in on what else I do, because it'll make this conversation make a wee bit more sense. Now that's out of the way, let us begin by talking about brutal honesty and why in the world I made a starving artist in the first place. Well, I don't, I don't think of it as brutal honesty. I think of it as desperate curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in the stuff that plagues me and trying to find some sort of answers to those things. (laughs) My psychologist is... (laughs) Still curious about why I do that. Uh, Like, for instance, the project that I'm working on at the moment is another podcast called Starving Artist, and it's about art and money. And it's interviews with creatives looking at how how do they work out that art money equation in a bunch of different ways. So, you know, like there's interviews with people like Frances Cannon talking about how she makes a living off Instagram, and then there's interviews with Wendy Seifert talking about how to negotiate a raise. And then there's other interviews about like art and class and money and how we develop our ideas around money. And so it's kind of trying to be this, well, for me, because I went to art school, it's trying to be sort of the money art education that I didn't get. 
in art school. Well, at least that's what it says on my press release. Um, <laughs> it, but it's really looking at like practical shit, like how to do your tax and compound interest. What the hell is that? And then also questions that are much harder to answer, which is like, how do I still like myself when, how do I still like myself and value my work when no one wants to pay me to do it? Or how much do I use my face or my beauty, if you have it, as a tool to promote my work? And like, where do I sit in terms of that? Uh, I don't don't have the answers. But but what I was saying is just that this project (laughs) is because this thing of like, how do I do the art money equation is probably one of the things that has scared me the most. So... People know me as like a mental health advocate. I talk a lot about my dark shit. (laughs) But a lot of my really major crises in my life so far has been a, a like kind of spiral that at its essence is focused on like, fuck, how do I make any money and survive? (laughs) And it's usually... Like when I get to that place, it's usually the same time when I'm like, fuck, should I go study medicine? I don't know. Which is like kind of the most opposite. In my mind, it's the most opposite thing. And it's also like, you know, that idea is coming from, you know, I'm from a middle class background. It's the kind of thing that Mm. a lot of people I went to high school with went and did. It's like the respectable career. That's a cultural idea as to why you would go do that. But I was like, far out, how do I make this work? I wish that there was an entry point into having these kinds of conversations because I feel really weird and awkward and shit about them. And then I was like, I know, I'll make it. (laughs) 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 I say that just because I was like, oh, I'll just make it. And then, I, you know, like a year later, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the biggest thing I've ever done. (laughs) But I think that those kinds of conversations are really hard to have. And, yeah, so I suppose that's what I mean when I say desperate curiosity. The thing that I'm really realising, particularly with doing Starving Artist and looking at people who work freelance, is that oftentimes, fucking hell, you have to be very skillful. Like, you need to be skillful at a fuck ton of things. Like, so many things. And, yeah, (laughs) sometimes I feel conflicted because people will send me messages after they've listened to the podcast saying, like, you know, the podcast has made them feel like their dreams are possible. And I find that interesting because I think that that's really lovely, that that's what people think. But at the same time, I also don't completely think that that is what I'm finding or saying with the podcast. I'm saying there's, wow, like I'm saying a bunch of different things. One of it is like success is a spectrum, but also like fuck, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how even if verbally that's what you're saying, if you appear to be having success, people won't hear that as much. They will just see the success and maybe be like, that other stuff isn't so bad. Like, obviously, Anna has a number one podcast. That must fulfill some hole in your heart that's like, compelling you forwards all the time that thing we're always like striving for of this magical time when we'll be successful but we don't often actually define what that is 
but it's much easier to look at someone else and just be like, wow, on social media, they're having a blast. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> I think that my social media does not say, okay, caveat, Honors <laughs> definitely does not say that. There's a lot of, I cried today <laughs> going on. <laughs> I mean, before I launched Starving Artists, there was about a month of me going loopy, like talking, like yes. I was quite self-conscious in the beginning, but then I was, people seemed to really want to hear about me, like losing my shit trying to do this project. So I was like, give it, give the people what they want. So on that note, I think that's something I've thought about a lot when I've looked at your social media. I think that it's interesting because I feel like quite oppressed sometimes by how happy everyone seems on social media. And I know that it it actually has a measurable detrimental impact on my life, particularly if I'm in quite a depressed period. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that all comes down to like, that's a, that's a complicated look at like how you use social media and, you know, cause friends of mine, when they post stuff, I want to see them happy. Like, but mm. but people that I don't know and potentially maybe I'm jealous of, mm. like this, I, part of, one thing that's been really helpful for me in terms of being, like, giving way less shits about who follows me or unfollows me or whatever, and I don't really, like, I don't keep a track or whatever, is realising that I unfollow people for all kinds of reasons. Like, mm. You are too good at whatever you're doing. It makes me feel sad. I don't want to look at it. (laughs) Get out of my face with your success. (laughs) Get out of my Instagram feed every time. No, I've done that so many times. I have also done that. (laughs) Yeah, I've done it heaps. Sometimes I wonder if I worry about that because of this historical idea that artists should be tortured. So it's okay to show yourself being tortured because you're an artist. So it's like a little bit of a free pass to be a bit more honest. Or is that like a chicken and egg thing to you? Well, I think that I generally have always found life to be reasonably difficult. And my life like on paper is not difficult. I just mean as in my experience of life is like, whoa, how do people do this? (laughs) So I don't, I don't know, free pass. See, I didn't, I haven't always used social media. I only really started using it like a few years ago. And that was just my personal Facebook. And it was just, I didn't, like I never used to post stuff on Facebook or anything. And then I just, every now and then I'd write something when I felt like it and I'd post it. And I got a lot of great responses. And people really liked that I was pushing the envelope in terms of being honest or authentic or whatever. So I, that's what I really like doing. So I just kind of kept doing that. But the trick is like staying authentic in that process. And the thing is when I post stuff that's like really heartfelt or whatever, it's usually because I'm struggling with something. So for me, writing stuff and posting it online is a mechanism for coping. Like if if I haven't built anything else, that is an amazing thing that I feel very privileged to have. So I have this thing where I can take whatever shit experience it is and then writing it down in a way that feels cathartic and pleasurable, putting it online, and then other people then being like, I needed this today, or 
some some other insight or being like, yeah, this thing, you know, like whatever response it is. I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. That is amazing. Like, whoa. I feel very lucky that that is a part of my life. Do you think about how success will change people's reaction or their reception to you expressing this harder stuff? Like, say, because Starving Artist is so successful, if you are then, I had the worst day, people will be like, unfollow, bitch, shut up. How can you complain? Even though that is still... You're expressing the same experience. It's not like you become successful in one aspect of life and then everything else is a breeze. But it does change how people will look at your experience and how you're describing it to them. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't expect people to stick around, I suppose. And I say that because I know that I have relationships with other artists' work that goes through a life cycle. And so, you know, like I can't make work that will speak to everybody. Like I just cannot do that. (laughs) And (laughs) so I launched Starving Artist and it was like number one podcast on iTunes Arts, number 10 podcast in iTunes overall, 10,000 downloads in the first week. That's pretty ridiculous for for someone who's making a podcast in their bedroom with like backing of no major organization and you know like that's that I was I was really blown away by that at the same time though I talked online about what the experience was like which was that it wasn't what I would have expected yeah if you'd asked me that three years ago I would have been like oh my god I get it mate but the experience was actually quite weird I felt very on edge and strange and also that the moment you get something, you're like, yes, okay, I want more. Or that you're like, fuck, I'm going to lose it. Something, you know, like whatever's going to happen. Just allow yourself to feel success. <laughs> Please don't just try to beat Russell Brand. You've already done a, a massive thing, which we talked about beforehand. But it's really weird when something, say, goes really big or it gets attention in some way. And you think that it will change you, but it actually weirdly impacts on you way less than failing. Like Mm. it just washes over you and then you're like, next thing. Like where that's what you're always striving for, but you never, ever, ever get there. So the next project that I'm working on is called The Big Feels Club and it's still sort of taking shape as to what it is but I haven't really talked about it publicly yet around what it is but it's more about community building than it is about me like making an artwork if that makes sense. So I work in the mental health space and I'm really interested in how we can unpack ideas around what is mental health and and look critically at our experiences and have options for how we make sense of them, basically. And and so that's, you know, (laughs) that's taken form at the moment where we're 
I'm starting, uh, we've just been doing these like private book club discussion group things. In the last one, we talked about Buddhist philosophy and we talked about human children. We talked about like, is there value in crisis and distress? And that stuff is really exciting to me because it's not about me. Actually, <laughs> that stuff is exciting to me in like actually in the same way that like starving artist is exciting to me because I get to put together these ideas and put them out into the world for people to like think about them. That is the same kind of thing, but a different topic. And it's more face to face, more personable, more about community building and more, I kind of, I suppose maybe direct. So I think that's what, that's part of why I've been thinking less of stuff is like, I'm an artist. I suppose and mm-hmm. like I create stuff, I make stuff, but I definitely don't. Um, I de- like I'm not really that interested in making things, like physical things. So I think that actually, when I'm this is a, this is an idea that I find kind of interesting. I think that when I'm in crisis and having a really shit time, in some ways, like that is a different kind of wisdom. That might sound really airy-fairy of like, oh, you know, actually hard times are great. But I just mean I think about things very differently when I'm in that space. And sometimes that thinking is useful because it makes me do different types of shit. What do you think is different? Are you in, I mean, I relate to what you're saying, but for the benefit of people that haven't had the hours of chats I've had with you, (laughs) is that... Do you think that's like a fight or flight response? Like what do you think is driving that different way of thinking? And is there other value beyond the fact that you ask other people lots of questions? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. I think it's just desperation. When you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place, you become resourceful in a different way and you think about things in a different way and you go about things because when it feels like life or death that tends to be what happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you if it feels like that yeah you're gonna you're gonna go about things differently so say maybe when you started starving artist it might have felt like that but you seem to be in a pretty good place at the moment and are planning more interviews and that's become a sustained inquiry for you how has that mental space shifted to make way for that yeah so one thing that I I want to say on this is like just because we talked before about like the tortured artist idea I also think that for me being in a place where I feel more just kind of even keel like I wouldn't even say good but just like able to sort of deal so to contextualize Honor and I kind of often talk about shared difficult experiences with mental health and with the mental health system. Mm. So when you're saying even keel, you know, and if I talk about that as well, it's really like trying (laughs) to be at a level of functioning that is acceptable in a like nine to five hyper ambitious, upwardly mobile society. (laughs) (laughs) Upwardly mobile society. (laughs) Well, like where you're pressured to feel like you must always be achieving, like getting to that for some people where you aren't happy but you are just coping with that, that is quite hard for a lot of people. Well, I mean, I just just do not relate to the mainstream idea that happiness is like the ideal. 
It's a way, people. <laughs> it's a way. <laughs> but that's just like my own experience of, and, and the reason why that comes from there is like, if I tried to live my life where I fixate on that as the, the ultimate goal, it makes my life shit. So, so when I say even keel, I just mean like feeling comfortable in my life, feeling like I have a good community of friends that I can deal with stuff that's coming up and feeling like I can look after myself and know what I need. And, you know, like it's kind of like pretty holistic sort of feeling like everything is sort of in its place and also absolutely not at the same time. Yeah. Yes, I learn things in crisis, but I make a lot better work when I'm not in crisis. Mm. So, <laughs> so like the tortured artist thing, like that does not work for me. I don't need to m- move towards that or, mm. or at all. <laughs> I'm all right. And I actually make better work when I feel safe and when I feel confident and when I feel supported. On what you just said, though, I think most artists that I have seen that do talk about this mystified idea that experiencing, like, high drama intensity or, like, having mental health issues is part of being an artist. Almost every artist I've ever seen or read an interview with has said that that is bullshit and that they make way better work in those conditions that you just said, where they feel stable, where they feel cared for, where they feel comfortable. Explain this buzzword, authentic, and what it means to you. Yeah. it gets used so much lately. It's become one of those words that's kind of meaningless, like hipster. Because it's like constantly around and everyone's just saying it. But what is being authentic? Yeah, so being authentic to me is not what those online courses say about being authentic. <laughs> I have a different breed of authentic. But in terms of, I don't know, see, I don't think anything is completely authentic. Like I, like yeah. the idea of pure authenticity is, in my mind, bogus. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the starting point. <laughs> but I, I feel in some ways that I'm kind of lucky because for me, if I strategize too much and I game too much, I feel disgusting. So for instance, if I'm like, hey, that person, I want to be friends with them because <laughs> they've got a million followers. Um, can I just say I love your sleazy art <laughs> person voice. It's really good. You like this voice? Yeah. So if I'm like, hey, that person sounds like they're going to be really useful to me or like whatever. I'm like I don't, like I really don't like that and I really like if you're someone who's analytical like me and like making projects, it's very difficult to not have those thoughts. Yeah. As in like, like I feel like it's impossible yeah. and it's really hard when you don't want to be that way to feel pressured. It's like a massive issue I have with my own practice and like having to promote myself online. It's, it's not really how I envisage wanting to be in the world but I also have the very legitimate fear that if I don't do that, I will melt away into obscurity, which is just a fact. So how do you counterbalance those things with each other, which you, we were going to talk about that, that you brought that up of how you use your face to sell your work. Was that- oh, we don't have to talk about that. No, but I wanted to, because I think it relates 
to what we're talking about, this like idea of performing your success Mm. and how because of social media that is so intimately tied with who you are in the most intimate way now with down to what you look like and what you wear and what you eat it's just a 24 7 thing and if you are an analytical person it can drive you to a point of being quite crazed because you have to think about it so much and if you don't want to but all these unwanted thoughts are popping into your head it can be really intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent response. <laughs> exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I find it really, I'm very attentive to what makes me feel gross. So I suppose I do think about that a lot. The other thing that really helps is, so you can like network all you want or whatever, but, and this is a, this is a, this is basically a quote from Bo Burnham from the time he did a Reddit AMA. He's like, people's attention is volatile and fluky. It's also why, for me personally, I'm very grateful for people's attention because I think it, like, people's attention in this day and era is a precious gift and one that should be appreciated. But he says people's attention is volatile and fluky, so you can't put all of your coins into it. The only thing that you can control is your work. And so I've thought about that a lot and I found that actually quite difficult because often I don't have confidence in my work. So so it's very, it's like that that's, can be quite difficult. I can get caught up in the game of social media sometimes and that's a lot easier to play than the game of make your work good, which yeah. is a lot scarier. Because I thought that you had to, like, make it big Mm. or fucking go home, right? Yeah. So there's only two options, make it big, go home. And so with Starving Artists, I was kind of like, maybe there are other options? I don't know. Like, I didn't know the answer. But that's why, like, I interview people who were in unique situations or who were, yeah, doing it differently, like, and, and trying to work out what the hell is their life actually like? Because there's this thing of like, you have to, you have to front to the world as an artist, as someone who is definitely making it. Yeah. And so it's very hard as someone looking on and looking up to people and thinking, I'll do that, to know what it is you're actually moving towards. Because you have no, like, it's very hard to know what someone's life is like from their Instagram and it it makes it more complicated if their social media is about trying to show their work as an artist not because they're lying but because we have to present our work in a particular way even I you know get this and it's been interesting getting more success and stuff and then realizing that maybe I want to try and get sponsorship for my podcast does it matter that my Instagram feed says I have no fucking idea what I'm doing? (laughs) Oh, I think about that all the time because, you know, I put up lots of wacky, weird, anxiety-filled things that to me is my work, but at other times I don't want that to be my work. I want to show the really sweet, giant, very, very successful things that I've done and that would be what I would put on my resume. But once you're putting it out there, you can't really take it back. So you are kind of taking a gamble to be really emotionally open and say, hey, I don't have everything together in the public eye. Because it it's naive to think that that doesn't impact 
on other areas of your life like your career these days when even for pretty minor jobs I think people tend to Google or Facebook you. Yeah, I mean, this is why I have two names. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, thank you, Anna, for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) That was really fun. Also, scary. If you want to hear more of that podcast, you can find the Nava in Conversation podcast on iTunes. And if you're interested in art and money, you should definitely check out not only that podcast, but the work that Nava does in general. So Nava, which is the National Association for the Visual Arts, is an Australian organisation that pushes for better working conditions for artists. For instance, at the moment, they're running a campaign called Fair Pay for Artists, which they've, you know, they've been doing this kind of work for over a decade now where they're trying to make sure artists get paid properly for their work. And they're even pushing for things like a government-provided artist income supplement so that artists are supported financially when their income falls below the poverty level. Anyway, it's pretty amazing stuff, and you can check out all the work they do at visualarts.net.au. As always, for anything that was mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. You can find them on our website, starvingartistpodcast.com. You can also find out more about the Big Feels Club, which is the next project I'm working on, and I mentioned it in this interview, at bigfeels.club. I was really excited when I realized you could get .club as a suffix on websites. This week on social media, we've been having a big conversation about day job transparency. As artists, we often need to push the day job side of our lives to the side when we describe ourselves because even the mere having of a day job is supposed to be an indicator of our non-success. So this week I asked online, what is your day job and why is it good, bad or brilliant? Heaps of you have been telling me what you do. There's doctors, cleaners, geologists, lawyers, people who host Lego birthday parties and Nate, who's an instructor at a paint and sip wine bar which I didn't even know was a thing, but it turns out is becoming quite a trendy thing in America these days. So come join us and tell us what you do. Link is in the show notes or find Starving Artist or Anna Easley, myself, on all the social media places. This episode was edited by myself and, of course, Nava. The intro music is by me. Starving Artist is made possible by everyone who supports me on Patreon. You can support me making things, things like this podcast, by heading to patreon.com forward slash on Eastley. Love and just thanks all you guys for being great. Till next time. Bye-bye.